0: Before there was a church, before there was a synagogue, God gave command to the man to disciple his family. And that is still the case today. Hello everyone, welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast and don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. Well, we want to welcome our online community. Welcome, online community. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. Wherever you are, all around the world, we celebrate you and want you to know that you are a part of the service. And today, God had the rich word in store for you. So we want you... Uh, so. Uh, we just thank you for being a part of it. And everybody that is here today, all of you beloved of God, we welcome you and we thank you so much for coming today and being a part of our services this morning. God has a rich word in store for you. Well, we're going to start a new series uh, today. And this series is entitled, Where is Adam? Where is Adam? Where is Adam? And of course, some of you already know where we're going to start in the Bible. We're going to the book of We're going to the book of Genesis, the third chapter, verses number 1 through 13, and again we'll start, and today is the first part of the series, Where is Adam?, and we welcome all of you, and we love you so very much. Before we even get started, I want you to know that there is a crisis in our nation and in our world of fatherless fatherless, uh, homes, fatherless children. There is an absent, fathers are absent in our communities. There is a man shortage, shortage of true men, not boys, got a lot of boys, but we need some men, men in our homes, men in places of authority, and our society has become topsy turvy, it's out of order but it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to declare what God says. And in this series, we're going to return the favor of a man. We're going to return the honor of manhood, the honor of fatherhood. And I pray that you will allow the seed of God's word to get inside of you and inspire you. Yes, we're talking to the men, but I'm also talking to the ladies, to the women. Because you are a vital part in this. And God will use your prayers to help bring the man forth. Hallelujah. And not to cut him down. So let's start here in the book of Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter. And I pray today you'll have a great understanding from the word of God. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 13 out of the King James Version. We're going to go ahead and read it. And then as is our custom, we'll come back and we'll discuss it and then go further. It says in verse number one, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doeth know that in the day ye ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sold fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord, of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, What? Where art thou? Where are you? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou uh, shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me, gavest uh, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat we're going to stop right there. So, the question is, where is Adam? Where is Adam? Verse number 9 is so prophetic, and it is that it is that uh, phrase, it is that question that we're going to carry through this entire series as God asks in the King James version, "Where art thou?" Where art thou? But we're saying here in this series title where is Adam? God's looking for Adam. Name, the name Adam simply means man or mankind. Where is man? Where, where are you? Where are the men? Where are the men? Now, notice here in verse number, verse number one, it says, now the serpent was more subtle. The word subtle there means to be shrewd. It means to be crafty. It means to be sly. One definition of the word uh, shrewd means to be deceptive. It was more sly, it was more crafty than any beast of the field. Now, we already know that uh, in the days of Genesis, animals could talk. So, uh, Dr. Doolittle, yes, we understand what you're saying. Animals could talk, and Eve had a conversation with the serpent. Now, that serpent was not the devil, but the devil used the serpent to bring a message to Eve. And that serpent paid the price because he allowed the enemy, Satan, to use him. Now, for the Bible to say that the serpent was more, um, it says here in verse number number one, uh, now the serpent was more subtle or more shrewd or sly or crafty than any beast of the field. That means that he was the, the one that had the most uh, or the one that was uh, the best at being crafty, the one that was best at being sneaky, the one that was the best at being uh, at being shrewd. So the devil said, let me get the best one to bring her down. This also implies that there were other beasts of the field that were also crafty, right? They were also sly and subtle, but this serpent was the best one, was head and shoulders so to speak, above the rest. So Satan convinced the serpent to talk to the woman because the, the serpent knew how to communicate with words, how to get into the woman's head. Are you hearing? Now, the Bible says here that how, we say how was the enemy able to get in? Well, we see that in verse number three in the command that was given. Verse three says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of a garden... God have said, "You shall not eat. Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it." Let's say that together. "Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it." Let's back up and say, "God have said." God have said, "Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it." One more time. God hath said, "Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it." Leshia die right. All right, but we know that that was not God's official command. Let's look at Genesis, the second chapter, and let's look at uh, verse 16 and 17 and see exactly what God said. Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 'Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, period. So we know that Eve added something, or Adam added something. Somewhere along there, Adam received the word from the Lord. He received the word from God. Now, when God speaks, all creation listens, When God speaks, all creation listens. And when God spoke to Adam at this moment, Eve was not present there in full form. She was still within the man, right? Because we know that God took a rib and he he made a woman, right? All right. So Eve was not there in physical form at that moment. But when God spoke, all creation heard it. The serpent knew exactly what God said and saw his way in. He saw that Eve added to the command. God did say, don't eat it, lest least you die. But she added, neither shall you touch it. So that was his way of getting in because she was not aware of uh, the true essence of what God said. Somewhere, maybe Adam added the word. I'm not sure who added the word, but the word was added, don't touch it. And the Bible says that when she saw the tree was good for food, how does that happen? Probably because... She touched it, and, because she, and she didn't die. So touching it and not dying, well then, if that's not true, then possibly the rest of it isn't true either. So let me just go ahead and bite this. Let me go ahead and eat this, because God is obviously lying to me because I didn't die when I touched it. But God didn't say that, did he? Now, I want you to see something here. The Bible says in 1 Timothy... Let's walk this through. 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verses 13 and 14 of the New Living Translation. Listen to how this reads, and we'll get, we'll get a, a deeper scope on this. 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verse 13 and 14. It says, For God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and sin was the result. So we know that when Eve gave the fruit to Adam, Adam knew exactly what was going on. When Eve was having this conversation with Adam, rather, when Eve was having this conversation with the serpent, Adam knew exactly what was going on. The Bible says that Uh, she gave the fruit to her husband who was with her, with her. So some commentators say that, well, Adam may not have been there at that moment. He may have been somewhere else, but eventually he came together. Well, I'm going to go straight with what the scripture says here, that Adam was simply with her, that he heard the whole conversation and did nothing. Adam, where are you? He saw the slippery thing and knew the nature of the serpent. He was the one who named the serpent. He knew the nature of the serpent, but did nothing when the serpent slithered his way into his home, into his dominion. He did nothing to stop it. He knew full well, eyes wide open, he was not deceived, she was deceived, but he was not deceived. He knew exactly what was going on, he knew exactly what God's command was, and he heard when she got it wrong, but yet and still, he just stood there and did nothing. Adam, where are you? While calamity comes and slithers right in your front door, you stand there and do nothing. Oh, I know it's a bit heavy today. Adam saw the danger, knew the danger, but didn't do one thing about it. And this sort of thing is still happening today. Oh, oh, she'll take care of it. Oh, she'll handle it. What? There are some things that you are equipped to do, Adam, that she is not. And one of the responsibilities of being a real man of being a head of a household, of being a husband. It's to guard and to cover the family. Oh, hallelujah. I pray you heard that. It's to guard and cover the family. You want to come this way? Oh, you're going to be a shish kebab when you come a few more steps here. You're not getting in here. Because it is the man, it is the husband, it is the father that rises up and defends his family. And let me tell you now, every head of household, before your families, before your wife and before your children's feet uh, hit the floor, you should have already been up sometime that morning or at least in the wee hours of the day before and you are going before them with the sword in your hand battling before them declaring that the blood of Jesus covers my wife, the blood of Jesus covers my family and I declare that destruction will pass over them this day. I declare that no danger, no car accident, no acts of terrorism, no random shootings, no plague, no violence will come upon them, I declare it in the name of Jesus. You're not waiting till your pastor come over your house or some minister come over to your house. You are the priest of your own home. Before there was a church, before there was a synagogue, God gave command, to the man to disciple his family. And that is still the case today. Well, my husband's not there. Well, then you, woman of God, you children of God, you pray for him and don't beat him. Because when you beat him and emasculate him, make him feel like less than nothing, that will only serve to destroy you. Because he's the one that goes before you He's one that God has used and has ordained to go before you and to slay the dragon, to slay the enemies. Glory to God! Are you hearing? Me? So, while all this was going on, where was Adam? Adam, what? Did you, where are you? Why, did you? why didn't you say anything? Why did you allow the enemy to come in? Why didn't you interrupt the conversation, if nothing else, and say, no, no, babe, baby, no, 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 that's not what God said. See, remember, we talked about that. Uh, God, actually, he didn't say, don't touch. Remember, we had to add that because of Rufus. <laughs> because of Junebug. You know, you understand, babe, you remember that, don't you? That's not what God said. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't interrupt. He just let it happen. He just... Let it happen as we the popular popular phrase goes, bad things happen when good people do nothing. So if he wasn't with her, as some theologians say, he didn't, at the least he did not prepare her for this confrontation. So he was still responsible. He's there to guard his family. Well, I'm not married. Well, one day I pray that you will be. If it's in God's will, and you're going to have to know how to defend your family. You're going to have to know, I'm telling you, I have not met one woman today. One woman, not one woman who would say, I would love for my husband to pray over me. I would love to see him pray over our children I would love him to read the scriptures. It because it brings confidence into the family. It brings strength into the family. When the man of God of the house opens up the book and declares the word of the Lord, when the man of God takes oil and say, "Honey, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to anoint you with oil and I declare the blessing of the Lord upon you." Pow! Yeah. My God, yeah. Yeah. what happens? But have we delegated that to the church, to the pastor? We've delegated, pastor, come over and and you do it. And that's all well and good, but nobody's voice should be louder than the man of God of your own house. The church can help, yes. But the priest of your home is the head of the home. And there is a godly order that the Father has established. And when we adhere to that order... The blessings flow, oh, so much smoother. Are you hearing today? Help me ask the question, Adam, where are, you? Adam where, are you? where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And we can look and see now, if the enemy comes in the home, he's going to come to devour. Satan is a devourer. Let's look at First Peter, First Peter five verses five verses seven through nine. First Peter five. Verses 7 through 9. Are y'all still with me today? He says in verse number 7: casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Verse 8: be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means be on, be on the attack, be ready. And you know, you can be drunk with worries and cares too. That's why God says, be sober. Be sober. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, there's somebody, listen to me, man, there is someone, there is a spiritual battle that is raging against the home. This is not someone, the enemy doesn't take a picnic. It's raging against you. There's a constant battle, a constant battle. You have an adversary because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The Bible declares that Satan is a devourer. He's a devouring spirit. Now the word devour here in the Greek is um, kata katapino. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Katapino. Can you say katapino? You know I love when you talk Greek. Katapino. And katapino means, listen, it means to drink down. It means to slurp, to gulp. It means to drink up. It means to swallow up. Anybody ever had a big sandwich? Oh, not sandwich, Lord help me. A big drink. I told you better pray for them. A big goal. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, online community. And you 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 just enjoyed that thing and then it goes down to the very end and you. Well, that's somewhat of the definition here of devour. It's slow. It's slow. Slowly, the enemy desires to slowly pull the life out of you, slowly pull the life out of your marriage, slowly pull out the life out of your home, slowly pull out. It's not all at once. It's little by little, little by little, until you are all gone. And the enemy is very subtle. He does it a little at a time, so much you don't even notice what happened. Just one day... I don't know what happened. I don't know. It just slowly began to go away. It's the devourer. So the enemy is a devourer, and he is also a divider. If he gets into the home, his plan is to divide you, to divide the home, to divide your marriage, to divide your family, the church, the job in our society. He loves to keep, keep up gossip. He divines by gossip and innuendos. He's the one who points. Did you see what she did? Did you see what he did? Always love to keep somebody. up. Always love to keep stuff up. You ever been around somebody who always loved to keep something up? Amen. That's the devil. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. He said, well, I don't mind the devil. Well, you look like a snake being used by the devil. Always love to keep something going. The enemy loves to divide, loves to go home after church. Well, I could have done it better this way. That should let me do this. Devil, devil, devil. Come on. Get behind me. Are you hearing me? Ain't got time for that mess. Are you hearing me? Well, ladies, say, nobody got time for that. do not have time for that. So the the enemy loves to do these things. You have to keep him out of your garden, Adam. Don't let the fight start. Don't let the argument happen. The same old mess all the time. Say, look, we're not going to do that anymore. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I said it. I shouldn't have done that. I repent. The first one to repent in the home should be the head of the house. Because the husband leads the way. I can't get no talking here. You have to keep that snake out of your garden, Amen. out of the house. Somebody's got to be vigilant. Somebody's got to be aware of it. When the father is not present, we've got problems. When the man is not present, we've got problems. Men, you were built for war. Amen. You were Built for it. You were built for conflict with the adversary. You were built for it. Built to defend. Say me, I was built to defend. Yeah, we'll get there. I was, I, I was built to defend. I was built built with a sword and a shield. Built, I was built to do that. Built to advance my family. Built to lead the way. That's why the Bible declares that Eve was to help meet. Meet. One who comes alongside to help, help you do what? Help you conquer, help you defend. She's there to help you not do it for you. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If your home is divided, now I'm about to step on some toes. Get ready. If your home is divided, it will not stand. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Mark rather. Mark 3. Mark 3, 25 through 27. Mark 3, 25 through 27. I want to help you today. I want to help you today. Because a lot of us feel like, my God, there's a curse going on. Why can't I get forward and why can't I get ahead in life? Why do I feel like my life is under a curse? It could very well be that we just have some things out of order. Let me help you put some things back in order and in proper perspective. Because you were built, man, let me tell you, you were built to war. See, this is the the problem. There can be a problem when the enemy knows what you're built for, and then he turns your attention from him, from fighting with him, and you begin to fight with your spouse. You begin to belittle her and belittle your children. Using the very weapons that God gave you to attack the enemy, you begin to turn them on your own family. And he sits back and he laughs and he laughs and laughs as you, in turn, destroy your own home with the weapons that God gave you to destroy the enemy. Look at the devastation that the, the words of a father or of a husband can do against the wife or against the children. That same devastation he was meant to use against the enemy. Are you hearing? You were built to war, built to to poke your chest out, built to have some deepness in your voice, to roar like a lion. You were built for that. You don't have to pray for that. You were built for it. That's who you are. You are a defender. You are a lover of, lover of your wife. You are, you, you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself forward. You are called to honor, love, and nurture her and honor, love, and nurture your, n- nurture your children and to give your life for them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You're built for it. And when the home is in proper order... The blessings flow. Listen to what Jesus said here in Mark 3, verse 25 through 27. It says, and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. If your home is divided, if wife is against husband, and husband is against wife, and children are against parents, that house cannot stand. It will not reach its full potential. Let me tell you something. Here we go. I want to help you. When you got married under God you made a covenant one with another to become one and becoming one takes time. It takes time and it takes prayer and it takes fasting and it takes taking communion and it takes getting in the word becoming one. But your home will always be divided if you don't put your monies together. Now I've known some I've known some families where the husband is bad on drugs. That won't work at that time. You're going to have to work together to get that addiction out. But if everything is equal, you have a reason, a reasonable state of mind. And so with she You need to pull everything together and become one. And then you bring the one sacrifice to the house of God. It is not two or three or four different sacrifices coming out of one house. It is one sacrifice all brought together and the priest of the home renders a sacrifice before the Lord. Show me where it's another way in scripture, anywhere where everybody just brings their own. No, it is the husband of the home, the, the, the head of the house, that gathers a sacrifice, blesses the sacrifice with the family, and then that one sacrifice is brought into the presence of the Lord. It is the husband, it is the head of the household that blesses the sacrifice and offers it up before God. I wonder if somebody hearing me. Well, pastor, I'm not there yet. Well, let's at least walk toward it and pray toward it. Are you hearing me? Husbands, you ought to know. You ought to know. You can't just leave that. Oh, my wife brings sacrifice. Honey, you got, you got the lamb? You got it? Okay, she got it. I'm going to go over here and have some coffee. What? What? Well, she's just as good as I am. <laughs> Where is Adam. Where are you, Adam? There are some things that you are going to have to do yourself because you the man. Hallelujah. I love that one statement that Joshua made in Joshua 24 and verse 15. He said in in the very end of that, he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The man makes that statement. As for me and my house, Amen. we're going to serve the Lord. Devil, you want to come and step up in here? Huh? Oh, help you. There's a man in this house. <laughs> Woo, somebody, oh my God, I felt that. There's a man in this house. You want to step that missile? There's a man in this house. You want to come to this door? A man is going to answer the door. What you want? What's up? I may only be 120 pounds or whatever, but it's a man in the house. How can I help you? You want to talk to her? What y'all want to talk about? Amen. Amen. You want to talk to my daughter? First of all, let's sit down. Let's talk. Who are you? You want to talk to my son? Who are your people? Because there's a man in this house sent to defend, sent to war. There's a man in this house that has a sword. There's a man in this house that knows how to pray and if necessary, call down fire from heaven. There's a man in this house. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God well, I don't have that in my house. You have the authority to pray because this is in God's will. You have the authority to pray. This is in God's will. Ask your neighbor, where is Adam? Where where is Adam? So I'm speaking to fathers, and, and when God asked... Adam, that question, or when he said that, you know, Adam, where are you? He, he wasn't saying that because he didn't know where Adam was. He knew exactly where Adam, Adam was. But he was trying to bring Adam to an awareness that, Adam, you are out of place. You are here, but you're not here. Where are you? Where are you? Are you hearing? Let me give you seven facts, seven facts, and then we'll begin to close out. I promise you. Seven facts. There's an epidemic, again, there's an epidemic of the loss of, of the, or the absence of fathers in our nation and in our community and our schools. Let me give you seven statistics. In America, and this was done in uh, 2014, but in America, 23.6% of children, that is 17.4 million, lived in father absent homes in 2014. And that number has risen. Here's another fact. Children living in female headed homes with no spouse present have a poverty rate of 47.6% over four times the rate of children living in married couple families. It takes two. Individuals Uh, from father, rather, individuals from uh, father absent homes are 279% more likely to carry guns and deal drugs than peers living with their father, meaning that those children are exposed. They're exposed. Fathers involved in schools is associated with the higher likelihood of a student getting mostly A's. There's a man in the house. There's a father in the house. Children begin to excel. Compared to pregnant women without father support, pregnant women with father support experience a a lower prevalence of pregnancy loss. 22.2% 22.2% compared to 48.1%. When the father is at home and is active, even when the baby is in the womb, the baby has a higher chance of being born. That's what that says. When a father is absent, there's a higher chance of the baby dying before it, gets into the, before it ever gets, gets into the world. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior When they have constant contact and a sense of closeness with their dads. When the daughter is close with her father, she's less apt to go out and find love in another man. Let me give you one more. Four, rather one in four children live in a home without a dad. One and four. One in four children. That's an epidemic. Count four children. Uh, Those four. One doesn't have them. And in our society today, especially in our high schools and middle schools, there's an epidemic of teenage suicide. Committing suicide. Can't handle life. And a lot of those are there's no father in the home. No one to guide. No one to give identity. A father gives a sense of identity to a child. Need a father. Need a man there. And it is up to us that our fathers to help shield those in prayer that have no fathers, or where there, there is not a father present, it is up to the church to shield and cover and pray for those when a father is absent. Are you hearing me? So there's a lot more, and we'll continue, we will continue on this on next week. But I want you to see, I gave you those stats for you to see that there is a problem. Adam is needed. Adam is needed. When you say, oh, oh, I'm only 13, I don't really need to hear this. Well, one day, you need to know how to rule your own household. When, will you, when are you going to start learning about it? If you know now, you know how to select a mate. You know what is real and what is not real. I'm telling you that God has a plan for you. And it is really time for us all, all us men, to man up. It's time to to man up. There are specific things I'm telling you to you husbands. There are specific things that God has called you to do. That you can't delegate to your wife. You're going to have to lead the family. Our wives are very talented. I mean, my God, we've got some smart women up in this church. Some beautiful and talented women here. But God didn't call you to do it. Husbands, he's called you to do it. You will lead. You will defend. You will guard. You will protect. You will correct. And you will love. Matter of fact, you're going to love the hell right out of your family. Are you hearing me? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I... Lord, I pray for the fathers that are in this room and for the fathers that will be listening and watching and for those who are absent fathers. Lord, we pray for the men. We pray for Adam that Adam would know his place and that Adam would come in back in place and be the man that you called him to be. Father, I pray for every wife or every family that they will hold, hold the office of the husband up, hold the, the office of the man up and give honor to whom honor is due and that they will pray for him. If he is out of place and out of position, Father, I pray that you will hear those prayers so that he may be back in place so that family can truly prosper. Father, I pray for the hurting and wounded men. Lord, I pray that you would save them, that you would heal them, and that you would deliver them, that you would make them whole. Bless your servants today. And hear my prayer, Father. I ask for a fresh anointing and a fresh grace upon their lives. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.